All right, guys, welcome back to the Sooner Sir. Today, I'm going to kind of switch gears a little bit, and we're joined by Brandon Rabar, uh, beat writer for the Daily Thunder, also a contributor on the franchise Oklahoma. So just thanks so much, Brandon, for joining us today, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. This yeah, is, this is cool. so, so uh, just kind of tell us, first off, before we kind of recap the first half of the season stuff, your thoughts on All-Star Weekend, having some guys there, and just kind of your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, it was great. This was like a coming out party for this young Thunder core. Obviously, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, his first All-Star appearance, can make the argument he should have made it before this year, but there was no denying him whatsoever this year. Uh, I mean, Shea has just been outstanding. But it was cool to see, uh, you know, obviously Shea make it, but then you had Josh Giddy and Jalen Williams in the Rising Stars game. So the Thunder had three guys, a 24-year-old, a 21-year-old, and a 20-year-old, representing the team uh, at All-Star Weekend. And, you know, it was cool, too, because, you know, it kind of turned into a little uh, OKC love fest for a good 10, 15 mm -hmm. minutes there uh, during that Rising Stars game when Josh Giddy was mic'd up. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it's it's becoming apparent. I, I think that all of us, you know, here in Oklahoma realized how special uh, this team can be in the future and what they're building towards. But I felt like it was the first time, you know, on a national stage. You know, there, there was that game against LeBron and the Lakers where mm -hmm. he broke the all-time scoring record. That was a national stage. And then they had the, the national game uh, earlier in the season as well. But I felt like getting to see SGA, Giddy, and J-Dub perform like they did uh, over a, you know, a weekend where eyes are all over the NBA – it just felt yeah. like it was a really cool coming out party for this young OKC core. Yeah, staying on the topic of the All-Star Weekend, if you were able to make changes to that whole weekend, uh, what changes would you make? Yeah, you know, uh, there's been a lot of talk about the the one-on-one -on -one, uh, thing, and I agree it would be fun. Uh, I know Celtics fans love seeing the, the Jalen Brown versus Jason Tatum, like one-on-one. -on -one. As a Thunder fan, I think a lot of people were disappointed because Shea only played 10 minutes in the game, and three of those minutes were like the designated Tatum versus Jalen Brown section. Uh, but I do think that that would, that would be a lot of fun to see a one-on-one -on -one tournament. Uh, I, I would like to see some sort of change as far as the All-Star game itself goes to, to see you know them try to be a little bit more competitive. Uh you know, there's not much defense played, obviously. And, you know, a lot of that's – you want the highlights. You want the scoring. Fans want to see that. Uh, and nobody wants to get hurt in an all-star game. So I get that. But there's got to be a balance between, you know, not playing any defense and then going, you know, full out as well. There's got to be some sort of balance. Uh, yeah, I, I think that it, it'd be also kind of nice to get the stars to be in the dunk contest, like, you know, back in the day. Michael Jordan, Dominique Wilkins, like Vince Carter, like the superstars were in the dunk contest. And as fun as it is to see like kind of young up and comers uh, and obviously Mac McClung was was amazing. Uh, it'd be fun to see the, the stars back in the dunk contest as well. Yeah, Brandon, for sure. Thank you for the info. But I mean, talking about All-Star Weekend, I mean, I know this isn't this is kind of a question for you, I guess I want to say, but Isaiah Joe second in the league in three-point percentage and isn't even considered for the three-point contest. So do you have any opinions on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously think that Isaiah Joe, you know, 
would have killed it in the three-point contest. Uh, not only is he an elite three-point shooter, but he's got such a quick trigger as well, uh, which is perfect for the three-point contest when you look at you know speed of release and then accuracy. Uh, and he said that he would do it. He wanted to do it. Uh, you know, I, I get why they put Julius Randle in at the last second because, you know, he was already going to be there. And, you know, he's a Nick and, you know, they got a lot of fans. I get it. But I got to say, like, you know, there were a lot of guys that should have made it for Julius Randle, for instance. Uh, and Isaiah Joe, certainly one of them. You know, he was number one in three-point percentage uh, for for a while. And now he's number two. And uh, not only that, but, like, when you look at, like, per 100 possessions, like, how many threes he's making, like, per minute is, like, off the charts. He's been incredible. Absolutely should have at least been invited, I think. Yeah, talking about Isaiah Joe, I've seen some uh, debate on Twitter whether maybe Isaiah Joe is the best free agent signing in Thunder history. Where do you stand on that whole debate? Yeah, you know, if you don't count, you know, Paul George resigning, obviously, and if you don't count, uh, you know, like Carmelo Anthony, for instance, he was he was a trade, but he said that he wanted to go to OKC. So in a way, he was sort of a free agent uh, because he made the decision to come to OKC. Uh, there's Nerlens Noel. Uh, at the time, Patrick Patterson was considered, you know, a big time get. But, you know, he didn't, you know, perform that way in OKC, but you know, he was, he was a good player before that. But when you look at like on court performance uh, and then you look at like the contract that he was given and the fact that it was multi years, I, I think that right now Isaiah Joe is the best free agent signing that the Thunder, he's been in, like, here's the deal about Isaiah Joe. He's only 23. I mean, like he is young enough to be a part of this core moving forward. This isn't like they got some 30 year old shooter and it's like, Oh, this is fun for now. But when the Thunder are competing, he's not going to be around. He's going to be around, and he's on a multi-year deal. He loves it here. Uh, I could see the Thunder, you know, extending him, uh, keeping on, you know, past this contract as well. Uh, he's he's exactly what the Thunder teams need. You know, the, the Thunder tried for so many years, going way back to like Daquan Cook, uh, Alex Abrines, Anthony Morrow. Uh, there was a lot of guys, Ty Jerome. There was a lot of guys that were supposed to kind of be like the, the three-point specialist sniper but none of them have had a season at all like what Isaiah Joe is happening this season. And when you look at like analytics and like the spacing that he gives SGA and like the outlet and, and not only that, but like he's showing up in other stats as well, like uh, loose balls and like uh, even he's better been defensively than people thought he was going to be. He's, he's been fantastic. I, I think he's, he's going to be a part of this team moving forward. Yeah, seeing the All-Star game being in a smaller market like Utah, do you ever expect to see one in Oklahoma City? Yeah, a big part of that is like hotels. Like you got to have enough hotels like downtown and close to the arena. I know that's like been said in the past. But like you said, if, if Salt Lake City, Utah could get it, uh, Indianapolis is going to get it next season. Obviously, Indianapolis is a bigger city, but it's not like it's, you know, Miami or L.A. or New York. But the fact that Salt Lake City was able to pull it off – look – Oklahoma City is growing all the time. The city is growing. Uh, you know, you look at like maps for and like all the future plans and things like that. Like the plan is for OKC to keep building and growing and expanding. The Thunder obviously have been a big part of that, uh, you know, as far as like the economy and, and, and jobs and, and, you know, looking at the city, you know, from an international perspective. Uh, but absolutely. I know for a fact 
that OKC would love to host an all-star uh, weekend in the future. And, you know, OKC and the Thunder have been, you know, they, they've re- been rebuilding for a couple of years now. But before that, the Thunder were, you know, in the NBA spotlight for over a decade. They were a contender for over a decade. And now they have this young core. They have a young all-star. They've got guys like Giddy, J-Dub, Chet Hungren. Uh, so eyes are going to be on the Thunder again moving forward, which helps. So I think the fact that the city is growing, that they would love to be an all-star host, and the fact that the team itself is going to be in the spotlight again very soon, I think absolutely, you know, in the future, the OKC would love to host. Yeah, I'd love to see Oklahoma City get an all-star game. But talking about kind of the first half of the season, obviously I'm sure a lot of Thunder fans, actually all Thunder fans have to be happy with 28 and 29 uh, with through those first 57 games. So I'm just curious – in that first half of the season, kind of what impressed you or stood out to you the most? Yeah, I, there's so many things. Uh, I'll, I'll touch on a couple of smaller things and then get to the big one. I, I think that well, this isn't a small thing, honestly. It's a, it's, it's a huge thing moving forward. Just the fact that the overall team is shooting better, playing good defense. Like if you look at the offensive rating compared to last year, you look at the defensive rating compared to last year, you look at the record last year to this year, the growth is enormous. And the wildest thing about it is the only new additions since Chet Holmgren has been hurt all season. The only new additions have been Jalen Williams, a rookie, and then Isaiah Joe, a free agent sign. And then like, you know, the other Jalen Williams has been playing lately, but for the most part, this is the same team as last year. They've just gotten better. Uh, And it's been much, much better. Uh, I, I think that the fact that they've been so competitive, even when they've lost, there's been so many losses that have been, you know, like gone down to the wire. They've been close losses. Uh, you look at the point differential, it's in the positive. Uh, so just the overall growth and development. Uh, I think the other thing is just the young core, how bright the future looks. We, we talked about Giddy and J-Dub, uh, Chet Holmgren. Um, but just all these guys, like you've seen growth from um, – I mean, Poku before he got hurt. I mean, that was a huge, just the development of the team and then buying in. But the biggest thing, if you want to be a contender, if you want to be a future playoff team, you have to have a superstar. And Shea Gilgis-Alexander going from, you know, he looked like a star in the making to like a top 10 player, absolute superstar. It's the biggest thing for the Thunder moving forward. Like they have a guy they know that they can build around and be a contender now. Like he's he's a top five scorer and he's doing it efficiently. He's making his team better. Um, you know, once you start adding, you know, more talent around him and, and these young guys get better and better, uh, I think the SGA's growth from promising possible star to slam dunk superstar this season has been by far the biggest thing for OKC this year. Yeah, Brandon. So as you kind of so as you said, some things that have impressed you this first half of the year is really the young players. You know, like the two Jalen Williams, um, Isaiah Joe, um, Lindy Waters. Even when he's played, he's contributed. Yeah. So maybe what is some like things you've seen that has maybe con- contributed to these young guys being so successful? You know, it's so funny because nobody likes to say that. Things like chemistry, character, high IQ. Those are like things that you can't like, you know, put down on a stat sheet. They're not in the box score. They just seem like these kind of like, oh, yeah, I mean, you want those things, but do that. I think that it truly has made a difference. This team is close. Like they are close 
off the court. And I think that chemistry spills to on the court. Also, they're a highly competitive team. Like they're young. They're the youngest team in the NBA, but they want to win and they play hard. Like you look at the effort from guys like Lou Dort, Kenrich Williams, uh, Jalen Williams, Jay Will. Like these are high, high effort guys. And you look at things like taking charges. I mean, like this, it's not like a, you know, a, a sexy thing, but it makes a difference in a lot, you know, three, four, five possessions a game when you got these guys like sacrificing their body, they're diving for loose balls, they're willing to take a charge. Uh, it's just a collective high effort, high IQ, high chemistry. Yeah, like, you know, those don't, things don't show up when you're drafting a prospect, uh, but it's something that Sam Presti 100% believes in. And I think it's made a big difference in this team and, and how well they've been playing. Yeah, since we have so many picks, what would you like to see us do with him? Do you think we should trade for a superstar or just use him in the draft? That's a great question. Uh, and that's kind of the big question moving forward. Uh, everybody is wondering. Here's the way I look at it. Like, okay, so the team now knows that they have a superstar in SGA. They know that they have two guys in Giddy and J-Dub who at the very least are going to be like high-level contributors, maybe even more than that. You know, they, they're they ceiling, they're upside, we don't know. But we know at the very least they're going to contribute to winning basketball. We know that Chet Holmgren, if he's even 75% of what every NBA analyst uh, thinks he's going to be, is going to be a big-time player. And he's exactly what the Thunder need. Like they've been doing all this this season without a true center. Uh, without a seven footer and and they're adding a guy that's seven one he's an elite rim protector uh, and can shoot from outside they've I'm saying all that to say they've got pieces they've got the building blocks Kenrich Williams we know that he's a high level role player Isaiah Joe we know that he can be a part of the rotation to be a positive player all of a sudden you start looking at the roster like they've already got like seven eight dudes that you can put in a rotation and like feel good about in the playoffs and they're going to get better because they're all so young. So, and then you got guys like Ushman Jang, who we don't know about yet, but you know, the Thunder love him. Uh, and he's got high upside. Uh, Poku, who showed some promise before he got hurt. All that said to answer the question, finally, sorry, it took me a while to get there. Uh, if I was the Thunder this upcoming season, next season, I would just see what they have with adding Chet Holmgren to the mix and uh, seeing the young guys develop even more. And, you know, they're going to add another high pick this year. Uh, we don't know what that'll be yet, but it should be at least a, a solid young player. See what they have. They're going to have $30 million in cap space. They've got all these future picks. If it's me, I do use those picks to go out and get a guy. Yeah, I would go out and get get a star to play alongside. I just don't know when it's going to be. I don't know if I would I, – I wouldn't necessarily do it this summer – because I want to see Chet play with these guys first. Uh, Maybe next deadline, though. Like, if the Thunder are like a playoff team next season, and it's the deadline, you're like, hey, there's a disgruntled star. You can go out and get him for, like, four first-round picks. The Thunder can give up four first-round picks and still be stacked with first-round picks. It's nuts. And that's why they did this. They did this so they could use them. They have all these options. Sure, they can use them. They can trade up in a draft by using them. Or they can go out and get a star. They also have $30 million in cap space. So they don't have to worry uh, about matching salaries and contracts if they were to do it like at next deadline, let's say. Uh, so they've got so many options. Uh, so if it was me, 
come next deadline, if this team is a playoff team and there's a guy out there that you can get and add to the team, uh, that makes sense. Uh, I would do that. Yeah, I've seen a lot of mock drafts uh, right now that kind of have the Thunder taking a, another kind of point guard and Anthony Black. Uh, there's been other players in that too, but could you see the Thunder trying to add like another guard who, who could be really good or maybe focus on developing a guy like Trey Mann or maybe even use next year's pick if it's in the lottery on a big or a wing? Yeah, I think like fit-wise it makes most sense to get another big like – it, if you're adding Chet Holmgren, the one thing that you look at the roster and be like, okay, this would be what we what we want would be like a power forward uh, who can play really good defense and you know switch on to threes and fours and maybe even small ball fives. Like there's like Jarris Walker yeah. uh, is kind of like the perfect guy for that. Also can shoot from outside. Hopefully, that said. I think they still just want best overall talent because the Thunder, the other thing that this Thunder team is doing, which is really cool, and, and you know, a lot of teams want to do it, but they haven't done it. They want to go to positionless basketball. That's what, They got a point guard that's 6'6", but he's got a seven-foot wingspan and Shea. So he can guard one through three, even the four, like in certain matchups. Then you got Josh Giddy, who's a point guard, but he's 6'8". Uh, and he can put on more weight. So he can guard like one through four, possibly. Then you got Jalen Williams, J-Dub, who's 6'6", but he's got a 7'2 wingspan, and, you know, he's kind of thick and, and strong. Uh, so he can play like one through four. So, you know, they've been playing him at the four. He, he, he ran the offense for Santa Clara last year. He was basically their point guard. And this year for the Thunder, he's been playing the four, uh, power forward he's been doing pretty well doing it too uh ideally you probably want him playing the three uh so all that to say i think that yeah if i had my preference i'd want to get a guy like a jarris walker who's a four uh really good defender uh but if anthony black is the best guy available uh i don't think they'd hesitate just because he's a guard because again he's six seven uh he can he can switch. He's got a long wingspan. The other thing, the Thunder, they want all their guys, they want to be able to dribble, put the ball on the floor, pass, high IQ, and be able to shoot. That's what all these guys are doing. That's like every Thunder pick now. That's what they're looking at. They want to play positionless. They want to play five out. So I think that they wouldn't hesitate to, to get a guy like Anthony Black just because he's a guard. Yeah, whenever you look into this offseason, you know, there's guys like – Jerry, Trey Mann, Eugene Omarui, um, let's see, Aaron Wiggins. And then Thunder have three picks in this next year's draft. Is is that right? Yeah, with the second round picks. Only yeah. one, it sounds funny to say only one. They only have one first round pick this year. Every other year they have multiple ones, but then yeah, two second round picks. And you know, the roster crunch gets kind of, kind of tight because you're gonna have to cut guys, you're gonna have to trade guys. So do you think they'll be focused on keeping guys on the current roster? Or do you think they'll be they'll be more focused on drafting guys in this upcoming draft? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, and I'm glad you brought up Aaron Wiggins because we haven't brought him up or JRE. JRE's you know looked really really good as well um, this season. And um, here's what I would say: I would say that they gave the the two way uh, they had Amarui on the two way and they converted him to a full NBA contract uh, after the Darius Baisley trade. And then uh, right now they have Dario Saric on the Ooh. roster, but he's expiring. They could possibly bring him back. Uh, it would make sense. Uh, 
but you really kind of have two spots that will be free. If, if you look at like, okay, Amarui could be, you know, another two way guy or go down to the blue. Uh, maybe he's on the full roster next year. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, but then Shard. So you have two spots that you could possibly do something with. Um, obviously one of those is going to go to the first round pick. I do think we've seen the thunder use their multiple picks to trade up in the draft. We saw it. Uh, they used a few picks, obviously, to go get Usman Jang, but then they traded up a few spots to get Jeremiah Robinson Earl. They traded up to get Poku. So that's the other beauty about having all these picks. You can consolidate. Maybe they're picking at, say, number 13, but they really love a guy who's available at number 10. You know, you could use 13 plus a second-round pick plus, you know, who knows what else to go up and get the guy at number 10 that you love. That. If they like a guy, they will not hesitate to consolidate and move up. Yeah, you mentioned moving up. Uh, do you think there's any chance they move up for Victor Wimbanyama? <laughs> there's all that hype around him. Like, yeah, that's the big question. The thing with Wimbanyama, like obviously, like the most hyped prospect since LeBron James, um, the Thunder are stacked with assets, and they have so many options. They can move up to a lot of places. The one place they won't be able to move up to is number one to get Wimbledon because nobody's going to give him up, uh, no matter what you try to offer. As, as great as it would be, uh, I mean, to get Wimbledon, you'd have to give up like Shea, and you know, like the Thunder aren't going to do that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Wimbledon is just like an anomaly. He's like a fluke thing, like. Uh, could they trade up to get Scoot Henderson at two? Yeah, like if they wanted to, it would be hard because Scoot's like, you know, a really, really high pedigree blue chip talent as well. Uh, but, you know, past that, you know, three, four, five, they could definitely move up. But Wimbanyan is just such a, a crazy case. Nobody's going to give him up. Yeah. I want to ask you, Brandon, about Mike Muscala and uh, just – the impact that he had there in OKC just from the outside as fans, it looks like just, I mean, he was, he was awesome just in the locker room uh, kind of for the culture of the team. So I think that legacy part, I think will still be there, but I just wanted to hear maybe your thoughts on Mike Muscala. Yeah. Mike Muscala was great. Like you said, all the things that you said, uh, the organization love Mike Muscala, you know, people forget originally Sam Presti flew out to, to Mike in Minnesota to like his home. To, to get him to come to OKC. Um, the organization loves him. He loved it here. He truly, like, that wasn't just, like, lip service. Uh, Moose truly loved OKC, the city, the fans, the organization, the teammates, and it was mutual. It's just a deal, you know, Mike's, you know, over 30 now. He's still a, a good basketball player. But if you looked at it long-term for both Mike and OKC, it just made sense. You know, next year, the Thunder, they have all those minutes they're going to get to Chet Holmgren at, at the five. Then they got JRE. They have J. Will. Who knows what they're going to get in the draft. So there's just not going to be a lot of minutes to go to Mike Muscala. And, you know, so this year he gets to play for a contender and contribute to a contender. Uh, but it, And the Thunder get a, a second-round pick out of it. And so the Thunder get an asset. Mike gets to go to a contender. It made sense. I think it was a bummer for for fans, for the organization, and, and Mike loved it here. But but long term view, it, it did make sense. Yeah, I wanted to kind of talk about the next upcoming stretch of games for the Thunder when they resume play on Thursday. 
Um, it, it's a very tough upcoming stretch with Utah, Phoenix, and then Sacramento twice. Then you got the Lakers and the Jazz twice. Um, so do you think this will kind of make or break the Thunder's chances at maybe getting into the play-in this year? Yeah, that's a good question. And absolutely, I think it does. Like, none of those teams are going to be easy. Like, this is going to be a brutal stretch. And coming right out of the gate, it's on the road at Utah and then a back-to-back against the Suns on ESPN. Probably, I'm assuming, KD is going to be back, which is why it's going to be on ESPN. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's going to be rough. Yeah, look, the Thunder are the number 10 spot. They've obviously exceeded all expectations going into the season already. Um, and they are going to fight for the play-in. I think that they're a play-in worthy team, but you also have like below them, the Trailblazers uh, are still going to try for the playoffs. Obviously the Lakers are trying for the playoffs. We don't know what the Jazz are going to do. You know, they sold a couple dudes at the trade deadline, but you know, they're kind of like wavering. The, those Jazz games are really the only games in this upcoming stretch where you're like, okay, the Thunder will probably be favored. Um, other than that, but look, the Thunder won a lot of games that people didn't think that they were going to win. I think that they'll probably surprise a couple of these teams. Uh, you cannot take it easy against the Thunder. You can't rest players against the Thunder. Like if some of these teams like, ah, we'll rest, you know, LeBron. You can't rest LeBron against this Thunder team or you're going to lose. You can't rest, uh, you know, if you're if you're the Suns, you're not going to rest Booker or KD. Obviously, KD coming back. You just can't rest these guys. Uh, the Thunder will surprise you. So, yeah, I think absolutely – this next 10 games will decide probably whether or not it looks like the Thunder are going to make the play in. But I, I expect them to be competitive throughout the rest of the season. And and uh, as far as whether or not they'll make the play in, I don't know. Uh, but I know that they're they're going to be close if they don't make it. Yeah, for sure. Over this last month or two, OU's been playing a lot of small ball with Kendrick Williams at center, and then they get a guy like Alexei Pokashevsky back from injury where do you see him fitting in overall uh poku yeah yeah it's a good question uh i'm curious when he comes back and and you know before he got hurt you know i know that poku was kind of like a punchline his first couple of seasons but he legitimately was playing really well before he got hurt he was like over 37 percent from three uh blocking a lot of shots um the thunder is still invested in poku and he's still incredibly young like I know this is his third year, uh, but the Thunder still, you know, they still want to see what they have in Poku. Uh, and he's the only team, uh, only player on the team now who's a true seven-footer with, uh, you know, Chet Holmgren hurt, Muscala's gone. Uh, you know, JRE uh, is kind of like a small ball five. So is so is J-Wheel. Uh, so if Poku does come back this season, he's going to have a role. Um, now, will it be as like the starting five? I don't know um possibly he he started at the five some but but he'll definitely at least get get some playing time and have a role going forward yeah real quick got a couple more questions but just kind of wanted to ask you about coach Dagnall. i mean it seems like the players love him he's been a great coach um just wanted to ask you if you think he should maybe be in the co- uh, conversation for coach of the year if the thunder were to go on a big stretch of winning games and, and maybe make the play in yeah, absolutely. I think if if the Thunder make the play in, this is a team that Vegas had at 23 total wins. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was Bleacher Report had him at like 19 wins or something ridiculous like that. John Hollinger had him at like 18, 20 wins, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if this Thunder team makes the play in, he's got to be in the conversation for, for Coach of the Year. And I've started to finally see some of that talk 
you know, kind of circulating among NBA circles. This this team has so far exceeded what anybody thought. And I'm very impressed with Mark Daynault, the coach. When, when you have the youngest team in NBA history and they're like a top 10 defense and they're doing it without a rim protector or a seven-footer, I mean, it's nuts. And then the improvement that you saw from last year, this year, uh, he, he's got to be. It's funny because, you know, usually coach of the year goes to like, you know, a high level, you know, contender or a team that, you know, is, is a top four seed or whatever. But the Thunder, if they make the plan, he, he's got to be in the conversation. Yeah, Brandon. Well, thank you for all the insight you've given us to talk to this. But I kind of have a question that's fun for you. Yeah. So, you know, Oklahoma City, this team is filled with swag with guys like Shea and Giddy and Dor even sometimes has some swag to them. If you were to build your team of five guys in OKC history with the most swag, who would you choose? <laughs> that is a good question. All right, off the top of my head, I mean, you, you have to say Russell Westbrook. Like, he's he's a lock, like, absolutely. A ton of swag. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, obviously. Like, those two are, like, without a doubt. I don't even have to think about it. Uh I'm going to have to go with uh, – it sounds funny because he hasn't seen the court yet, but I'm telling you, like, behind the scenes, Chet Holmgren has a lot of swag. Like, this dude, he is just, like, oozing with confidence and swag, and he's going to – you know, the Thunder, this this team, like, you know, they're a high character. They're a really nice team. Like, they're all such nice, good guys. And Chet is too, but he kind of has, like, a – I don't want to say cockiness because that's going to come off wrong. That sounds like negative. It's not, but he has a like a confidence and a swag to him uh, that maybe you know the rest of the team. Uh, I don't know. There's something about Chet, so I'll put Chet on there. Um, uh, it's so hard to think. Chris Paul actually had a lot of swag. Like his was like a different. He was like he was like dad swag uh you can call it that uh so maybe i put him on there and then my last one i would go with uh steven adams just because he was like the opposite of swag and that's what made him so cool like it's like there's also just something about about steven adams uh he's yeah i'll put him on there that's my five that's awesome i'm Upset Nick Collison. Nick Collison didn't make it, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but Brandon, man, I know you're under the weather, but man, you're spot on with insight like you always are. I uh, had you a game. We really appreciate you joining us and under the weather like weather like this and just giving us 30 minutes here is your time. So we appreciate it. Absolutely. Hey, you guys are doing it. This, this was a, a great, uh, all the questions were great. Uh, well done to you guys. And thanks for having me. All right. Take care, man. Thank you. All right, you too. Thank, Thank you, you. Thank you guys.